It's episode nine of Craggy Island Rugby. It's Connacht against Breve in the second week of the Challenge Cup, and it's a big double for Falvich Damoy to William as he brings back some cold weather with him. It's all relative, Alan. I actually think it's quite bammy here this afternoon. I wish I'd worn my shorts. And we've got Dave here as well. Uh, good afternoon. It is even balmy by last week's standards in Galway because it is not a monsoon. So it's uh, so nice. It's fresh. Sharp, I think is the correct term. Sharp. Yes, it's sharp. There's not much wind and there's, the rain is holding off. We might get a shower later on. Um, but we're looking for a good, a good game tonight. Yeah, we're looking for another win. Probably looking for another bonus point. They're fairly weak. Three starters from their last top 14 game. These French teams don't really travel. We have a good record against them. I'm, I will defer to Dr. Stato beside me here, but I think the last French team to beat us in a qualifying game in any level of European rugby were these guys in January 2008. That is correct. When we also had Newcastle in that group as well. Okay, well, you've been 20 minutes gone and there's no score and not much to talk about. No, nothing much happened at all. Uh, they've missed two penalties. Uh, we've been in there 22 once and um, it's pretty tedious stuff I'm afraid so far on a beautiful night for rugby. There isn't a breath of wind here, um, but it's very average. second 20 minutes was a lot more interesting than the first. Yeah, it certainly was. The game Game really livened up when they scored, which seemed to wake Connacht up a bit. Still a few problems here and there for, for both sides making errors, but uh, a lot more lively. Uh, Connacht will be happy to go in in the lead at half-time, and the missed kicks, two penalties and a conversion uh, for Bree, probably going to cost them very costly. Okay, William, just short of 60 minutes, and the score is 21-10 to Connacht. We've got two excellent tries in this half, and they've scored a good try. Yep, uh, the hairdryer must have been going in both dressing rooms at halftime, and um, the pace has upped dramatically. They've brought Teddy Irabrum, I think his name, number the new scrum half, and he's really driving Breve on. Um, still fancy Connacht for this, but they're going to have to work maybe a little bit harder than they were expecting. Pace has gone up by such an amount, it's, it's unbelievable, really. Yeah, the intensity as well. There's some serious big hits going on out there. But tries from um, Ben Marshall, his first try for Connacht, and from a beautiful try with a very intricate try from Kieran Marmion has, has us with an 11-point lead with 20 minutes to go. We'll talk to you at full time. Come on, Brett! Two movements! 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 Come on, Brett!
by William. That was a bit of a hard stopper. Yeah, that got uh, very messy. They Their bench made an enormous difference. The scrum half, uh, Ian, or whatever. I, I won't even try his name because I can't get it right. But uh, that they lifted the intensity. And we maybe lacked a little bit of leadership a couple of times there just in the last few minutes. Um, it's hard to know how to rate that. Disappointing. Maybe they get a bonus point. We don't from where we were. Uh, but it's a win and it's win number seven in a row so we'll take it and move on assess the injuries and uh, back to the heavy stuff next week against Munster The post-game section of the Craggy Island Rugby Podcast another crisp evening here I was nearly going to say cold but I'm not William I promise this has probably come up already Uh, It it has Okay, (laughs) and it's not (laughs) William Davies who's been introduced already but introduced for the first time perhaps Dave no Dave was in the first bit as well I feel so redundant (laughs) that could be arranged (laughs) (laughs) P45 I don't think that happens in podcasting here comes the Sandmore. We like yeah, yeah, for, the Sandmore for fans of that, uh, check back to episode one, season one. It also does a water feature now as well. This is this is really high class. Yeah, and it's it, it, it aerated the sand as well before the mowing, so that you know it gets top quality stuff. You know. All right. Well, well, uh, Dave. Well, like, well, where do you even start? Is the headlines all about all the injuries? Is that where we start? Connacht have won, obviously. Well, there's two he- there's two headlines. There is Connacht of now going in, going down to Munster, having won all by one of their games this season, which doesn't happen. And the second headline is at the the counterpart the counterpoint to that is that we the number seven jersey has become cursed again. We're we are unlikely to see much of Napier for the rest of the season if the early reports are true. ACL uh, injury. ACL injury looking oh. really bad, really bad. Um, Alan's yeah. just found out. Yeah, the injuries the injuries are going to be the big thing. We know that Andrew Brown is going for surgery this evening because he has a very deep cut. And both Owen McKeown and Ben Marshall failed the concussion test. So whether the four of them definitely rule out two, might have to rule out all four. And when you hear Pat Lamb, the name of James Conley came up, which means that James Conley, who went off to Doncaster today, will come back in. It overshadows everything. And there's a lot to talk about from the game. But ultimately, when you look at the bigger picture, going to Munster, you need as many, you need as all your full first-line players there, or as many as you can, and to lose four in one match from the pack, and to end up in a situation where in the last scrum you had a hooker and a, tight, a loose-head prop as your two flankers, and your number eight playing in the second row, that's what people are talking about. Because the game itself is overshadowed by the bigger picture, and the bigger picture is we are a spate of injuries going down to Thormans. That's how I feel. Yeah, that's uh, that's not a good end of match report. Uh, I thought the Fox Matamua injury looked very bad because he he, he tried to walk off, and they just put him on a stretcher in the end, uh, and that's never good to see. Um, look, it's part of rugby, and it's part of the reason you have a squad. But that's a savage return to lose four players in one half. The HIA assessments probably a week maybe two weeks but uh, the other ones sound very serious it's just a matter of rejigging replanning and you just have to go again you look at who you've got and you you work it but really the phony war is over now the season really hits next week that's when that was always in my mind that it was starting next Saturday the really serious stuff and um it's going to be. It's, it was always going to be tough. Now it's going to be tougher. Yeah, Alan, you've constantly said when Connacht have an open side, 
They're a different team. They're not going to have one for the next three or four weeks at least. Yeah, I think I, I don't know. I can't remember the exact stat, but it's something like a, an 85% success rate when we play with an open side over the last two years. Now, James Connolly probably is a natural open side. It's just that he's younger now, so I shouldn't say we're not going to have one. But at the same time, looking yeah, at the yeah. standard of what we had with Fox Madamua. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, maybe maybe he'll do a great job. I'm a big fan. Um, the yeah, he looks outstanding. I've seen him. Yeah, I, I think he's been an excellent player. But is, it is, yeah. it is well, then we could have said it's too soon for Jay Keenan or Napier Fox Madamua, and they've yeah, proven yeah. themselves young men who are able to compete. Um, really disappointed for him he got a good reception going off I guess there's not much more we can say because it's just too negative and there's no point of being too negative about a team that's won seven in a row they'll find a way they'll figure it out I'm sure they're going to be very competitive down there yeah well we showed it tonight like to, to finish off they like they brought off two Georgian props two, two international props as well as their, their starting scrum half from the top 14 and it made a huge difference and when Fox went off that little general had he played like a proper French general like he played like the Jack Ferru he was just dominating everything about the game um, and he had all the room because we had nobody there to, to take him out. But we still won the game. Yes, Teddy Iri Barron, I yeah, think. He's very good, yeah. Yeah, trying to get that name right it takes, quite, <laughs> takes quite a bit of doing. Yeah, I know. He struggled away throughout the country. He changed everything. He came on and he started barking and shouting and pointing. And he took the goal kicks. He ran the whole operation. Tempted to say if he'd been on a little bit earlier. Um... And their whole team lifted the intensity. Now, we did as well, because the first half was pretty pedestrian stuff. But their intensity went up. They started making some savage hits went in. The two Georgian, I'm not going to try their names, came on. Um, God, these guys love being forwards. They really, it's almost as if they were just born to be props. They probably come out looking as grizzled as that when they <laughs> pop out of the womb. And um, I actually think we did well. Uh, in the end to, to close that game out it, it was we were hanging on a little bit at the end Lindley McKenzie's joined the podcast Stratsvitcher Stratsvitcher oh. <laughs> and, and right back at you yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my Russian welcome in for, uh, yeah I mean Pat Lamb greeted Lindley like two people who had survived the war <laughs> <laughs> in the press conference the rest of us felt a little bit left out but we understood Anyways, talk to me about your trip. Talk to me about tonight. Just delighted to get the wind. If you think the wind, if you think you had, you know, thirteen new players starting tonight from from last week, I think that says quite a lot about this this squad this season. Yeah, there's a there's a fight to them. I love the reaction, Dave, to the to brief try. Like for about 18, 20 minutes either side of half time, three three penalties. I think it was two penalties, three tries. Really good stuff. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good comeback and a little bit of a kick up the pants. Was, we were struggling in them all, and we were right. We could, we can, like last week, they felt their way into the game. Well, what are these guys strong at? What are they weak at? They're strong in the mall. They're weak. They're weak on the turn, and we exploited that. We were also helped by the worst kicking performance I have ever seen. Oh yeah. Outside, no, no, the worst. Kick, I mean, you would be embarrassed as a fourteen-year-old with with. Not just the way he missed it. Missing kicks is something that happens to every kicker, but these were dreadful kicks. And they should have been 11, They should have been at least 11-0 up. They were 13-0 up. And then they go, and we said, right, we've got, off, we've got off the hook here because their kicker can't kick. We avoid them all. We avoid making it a forward battle. We played them out wide, and we got them on the turn. And more importantly, when we got the try, which there was a little bit of fortune in the try, another day that bounces forward off, off Tiernan instead of back into Rory's hands. Next thing... There's a kick chase. Nihi nails his guy in the. He nails his guy, and we get the penalty from that. And suddenly, from being five 0 down, 
and being lucky to be only 5-0 down and losing, a, losing the, the, more gr- the more grizzled areas of the game to being 8-0 up and then 11-5 up at half time you're thinking we may have got away with this but it's about what you do with the ball they may have had all the ball but they didn't know what to do with it and we exploited that but of course there were, pro- there were ups and downs I mean the, the first time is the second half were nuts just totally nuts it was a different game it was the only sustained period of good rugby from both sides we get a try they get a try we get a try and then, as the lads are saying, we did kind of hold on. Now, definitely Napier going off disrupted. That sort of big injury disrupts the team anyway. But the position he was playing in, and then when Marshall goes off immediately after scoring his try, um, Danny Coulter isn't, isn't, hasn't as many games, is lacking that little bit of game experience. And then, towards the end, as I said, the makeup of the back five for the last ten minutes was ridiculous. It certainly was. You hear that uh, sports going to be cleaned up around us. You know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast would have been standing on this turf a while ago. And I just want you to know, it takes a little bit of cleaning up after all. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should start a campaign to get everyone to put their own beer bottles away or something. Be nice. Yeah. There's okay. no bins around. There's no bins around, but we could get bins. That's, that'll be like something. This podcast could actually achieve something. No, that beyond like be launching William's media touch career. Touch. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Bins uh, will be thrown at touch judges. Bins will be thrown at touches. A lot could have been thrown. attached to a wall. What the touch judges? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which they might as well be. To be honest with you. Wow. Any, any other thoughts on that game than you? Well, it was a hell of a lot warmer anyway than the, <laughs> than the previous than the previous match I was at. Yeah, I'd imagine. I thought actually Connett looked ex- looked actually better with their ball with ball in hand mm-hmm. than yeah. the than the opponents. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at the first half, despite the fact that they didn't score that a, a, a try until late, they had three opportunities down that end. I think Nihi was very close. Uh, Robbie was extremely close. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they actually they they were they were actually getting through. They just they just you know, hadn't got the final touchdown, and I think they did look good with ball in hand. Yeah, I had to say, I actually said to, to William, this, this has the looks, the looks of a game where if we keep going like this, we're, we're going to get a bonus point win, even though we were sort of 5-0 down at the time, because it was just still that case that we were playing so well. Um, but the, 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 the experience they brought off the bench, like the, the, the average age of their side was 28 or 29 nearly. Um, at the average age of our side that finished must have been about 23, 24 if it was that and you could tell you could see the difference and the average player was a prop and the average player was a prop <laughs> well, five, when, you, when you finish your, your pack has five front row players in it yeah yeah, yeah. And you, don't, you don't really want that it is significant they got a spate of injuries in the back three and decided well we're not spreading the ball we got a, and then our injuries were, were in the pack it was the way the game finished towards the end was if if it had been the other way around we'd be disappointed if we didn't score a try they must feel disappointed and score a try but it was one of those games. There were players coming on and off. There was, there was I'd say it's at least four or five serious injuries out of that game. All across, all across both teams because a couple of their guys were really yeah. very. Matthew got injured after coming on. Yeah, and that was. It, it all came from the the race, from the time that little scrum half came on because the intensity of the game just went up a huge level. All of a sudden, it was like watching a Heineken Cup game. Not a. A good scrum half can cause a lot of trouble to us. Maybe more so than other teams. I don't know. William, any further thoughts? Um, not really. I suppose I'm a bit frustrated in the overall that we didn't get the try bonus point we nearly uh, nearly got one in the corner didn't happen and they got a bonus point so there it keeps them in it their next two games now are the home and then the not away game to uh, NSI because that's going to be played in uh, Sochi so I would expect that they will target that it sets up the game in January this is the best French team I've seen here since uh, Toulon in 2009 and they were missing so many of their normal front liners because they only had three from the team that beat Bordeaux well, three, at home three starters they did have three on the bench with and a couple of more bench guys so they were serious about it yeah. Yeah. yeah I think 
possibly with the French sides that come here, it's it's attitude more than the players. The, these guys were were up for it. They they played the full eighty minutes. And I think part of that came from the fact that we had two penalties in the first half that we didn't kick. We went for the corner, and they actually scored a try off the second one when we didn't get it, and we turned it over, and they came down the field and scored a try from it. And it was it was almost like they were going, "Who are these guys not to you know pay us respect and kick a penalty when they should have done?" The first one was definitely kickable. The second one might have been slightly out of Jack's range, but the first one was definitely kickable. All right, that's enough from the brief match. Uh, here's some post-game audio: Pat Lamb and Tiernan O'Halloran. Pat, uh, seven wins in a row now, so to start with, you'd be relieved with that, and I use the word relieved, obviously, because yeah. pretty finished strongly. Like. Yeah, I'm massively proud. I mean, that's uh, such a gutsy effort from uh, the whole squad, you know, what we've been through. Um, you know, I said at the, start of the, um, at the start of this European campaign, the next two weeks is all about building mental toughness as an opportunity to build that resilience. And, um, and we've a lot of things have been thrown the, the, our way, and the boys have handled it uh, well. You know, to lose Nipia Fox, uh, Matamoa and Brown and um, and McKeown at the same time, then Brownie's having his, has had his hand split. He's going to theatre tonight, um, and we end up with three front rowers in there. Um, you know, and a reorganised uh, a reorganised pack uh, was a gutsy effort, and um, you know, really pleased. Uh, you know, disappointed. We you know we had a chance to put the game away. Uh, Robbie scored a try. Um, but there's no TMO, and uh, you know, and uh, Tannen scored a try, but no TMO. So, uh, um, you know, but at the end of the day, we scored three good tries. We probably missed a few, and uh, uh, against a very big brief pack. Geez, uh, when they ran on the field, I looked over and oh, here we go. Uh, this is going to be a, a tough day at the office, and um, you know, we pulled away, and then we and it was tight at the end. Yeah, that TMO factor is going to be something that people talk about because they'll say, you know, like obviously you feel on what you've seen that it was a try. Yeah, I think we've got a photo of it. Uh, James might have a photo of it there. Uh, we've been analysing it there. We, we can't uh, tell for sure. But. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's uh, that's, that's just part of it. At the end of the day, we got the win. Um, and uh, it was tough on the ticker at the end here. But I think it's also a... Um, uh, a reflection of where this team's at. Um, you know, the, the, we're in the habit of winning by uh, by working hard. How big a loss is Napier Fox, Matamua? Because it does feel that having a natural open side is so crucial to a lot of what Connacht want to do, and he's been so important to what Connacht have done this season. Though. Well, it was, it was a massive part of my plan when I first got here to ensure that um, you know uh, I, I needed I needed an out and out seven. That's why I brought Jake in, and once Jake started to have a few injuries, I went back home and found Napier. And, um, you know, he's been massive. You know, I think the, the fans have appreciated the type of rugby he plays, very similar to the type of rugby Jake plays. And now we've got both of them, uh, you know, uh, on the injury list. And uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a big blow. But, you know, in saying that, young James Connolly, um, you know, it's his turn to uh, step up. He played well last week too. And he's still in uh, the early stages of his development. And, you know, I know Jake and Nipi have done some work with uh, James as well. And, um, you know, and then we'll, um, yeah, but we we certainly, um, uh, we're, my biggest issue was around losing players and uh, around our depth. So, um, but we've said all along that one, it's not who wears the jersey, it's um, uh, it's not the individual, it's who, who does the job in the jersey. So the next person has to step up and do that. So you've started 28 players in the last two weeks now, but it's very much going to be one of the biggest games of the season next week against Munster. You'll feel like everyone's sharp and ready to go for that, and I'm sure you're all fired up. Yeah, I mean, we're we're on the back foot again. You know, obviously they've had a week off, and, uh, you know, we, we've, we've taken... That's probably the, the biggest hit we've taken... Um, uh, injury-wise and, and bumps and bruises. There's a 
So um, we've just got to have to re- re- regroup and, um, and use what we've learned and what we've been through, not only um, you know, in this last couple of weeks, but through the season and last season, and um, you know, regroup and, and, um, and prepare well, prepare well for uh, um, you know, a, a big game, uh, you know, first v- 1v2 down in uh, Toman Park. Right, Tiernan, uh, good record as a captain now as well as everything else, but the seven in a row for Connick, so, uh, so the lads are very content with that reality anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, uh, the main objective tonight was getting the win. So, as you say, yeah, we've won a bit of a roll at the moment. So, um, we need to keep that going. But uh, at the same time, we're not getting ahead of ourselves either. You know, we've a massive test, a test next week against Munster. You know, first versus second. So, um, you know, under no losers there, it's going to be a massive test. But um, yeah, as you say, great win tonight. If you take out the uh, you know twenty minutes either side of half time, Preve really gave you a tight game. I mean, nil nil going into that last ten minutes of that half, but a great reaction to their to their try conceding their try. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, the first 20 minutes we were a small bit flat and then we got into the game, we started playing with tempo and they started, I suppose, to struggle a bit with that. But then again, maybe we let the foot off the gas a bit and let them back into it. But they certainly came to play, you know. Um, but again, we were under no illusions that they were going to come with, with a strong side. They named their best 15, you know, and they've been going well in the top 14 as well. So they're a big side, very physical. So um, it took us, it was tough at times to get over the game line and things like that. But I suppose we were... Um, we kind of maybe should have put them away towards the end there when we were uh, 21-10 up or so. But um, a few mistakes and a few discipline problems is kind of letting them back into it. And obviously they have a very strong set-piece, maul and scrum. So we, we maybe um, need to look at that and sort out our discipline issues. But apart from that, you know, we're, we're um, happy to hold out for the win at the end. That is the one concern, isn't it, at the moment? Just uh, There's been a lot of games where tries are conceded late on and there has been probably a higher try counts against Connick, but that goes along with a lot more tries scored this season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously um, one of the main things for us at the moment is our defence because maybe the first couple of games we have let in a few too many soft tries at times. But, um, you know, we're working on that every day and, and, and the system's there in place that we fully believe in. So we're going to back ourselves at that. Obviously, you know, we let in a couple of soft tries again tonight, but, you know, that was more turnover ball and things that are, um, maybe we could have just react a bit better. But, you know, we fully back our defence and it, we need that coming into the, the winter months now because, you know, it's going to be a bit of a slog fest with the weather and stuff on tough conditions. So, um, yeah, as I say, we back our defence fully and it's something that we do need to, to keep working on and uh, going forward. Monster in Tom Park is always a big game, but this one feels huge now with the top of the table element to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, the Interpro games are something you always look forward to throughout the year, and it's something we've always kind of performed well. And you know, we, um, we were down in Munster in pre-season, and uh, we had a good game down there, and we got a bit of confidence in that as well. But you know, we're under no illusion; it's going to be a tough test. You know, they're second on the table now, right behind us, and um, they, they had a weekend off this weekend, so they had a full week's prep to to look at us. And you know, obviously, we'll have a few sore bodies, but you know, we're, we're going to be good to go by uh, by Friday night or Saturday. Sorry, and um, we're really looking forward to a big test. They really test you. They can really. Stifle, stifle teams it's a tough place to play Connick have had some poor displays there as well because of the way Munster can get on top of you so I mean what's the mindset going into that like? yeah you know it's, it's always a tough game sometimes you feel like they can suffocate you at times mm. but I suppose it's, it's fighting through those times of the game you might feel you know we're struggling a bit but it's just getting those basics right and playing the right areas I think is the main thing for us in the times times in the past we've maybe try to force a bit from our own areas and we give away sloppy turnovers or penalties or discipline lets us down. So, as you say, we'll go down there and try and play in the right areas and, you know, we fully back our, our systems at the moment to go down there and get a good win. William caught up with Kieran MacDonald over in Siberia last week. He was the man that the Connacht clan were most grateful for because he did a huge amount of organising and helping for the fans. So, uh, let's hear that interview because it's well worth a listen. I'm here with Kieran McDonnell, a Connacht fan, travels to 
a hell of a lot of, if not all of the away games. We've just come back from our day tour, which was a very interesting experience. It shows you just how hardy these people are in this part of the world. It's, uh, it's a tough climate. They're hard folks. But we want to talk about uh, Connacht fans and travelling to games. Kieran, what, uh, how difficult and how much work was involved in getting people to Krasnorsk? Oh, good evening, William. Let me first say that what I'm about to say is, is a personal view. It doesn't represent the views, the official views of the clan. Um, for this particular trip, um, we spent about two weeks organising our different aspects of it, our travel, our hotels, our visas, because the information coming from the branch whoever's, the admin part of the branch, whoever's responsible for that, was so late coming out to us that we couldn't afford to wait to get that information to go ahead and make our own plans. They might possibly say that European rugby was a huge part of that and that they were organising a lot of the trip. But is there a simple communications issue between the branch and fans, particularly fans travelling to away games? Oh, absolutely. I think so. I, I know the players love to see uh, the fans at the away games, no matter how few of us there have been there. And I've been to away games when there's only been six and seven of us actually in the stadium and we try to make as much noise as possible. But I feel personally that there is a huge disconnect between the branch and the away travelling fans, whether it be for European games or even for the Pro 12 games. And a perfect example of that is that trying to get access to tickets for away games is next, next impossible. And we end up having to make our own arrangements, and particularly for the bigger games, that can be extremely difficult because we're trying to coordinate with people information about where in a stadium we're sitting. If the branch would, were involved in that, it would make our lives so much easier. Do they need to look at their overall uh, performance in how they deal with fans, either home or away? Or have they simply concentrated too much on the home games and are not concerned for the away games because of the the lesser numbers involved? I think you put your finger on it there. Uh, Certainly, um, all the information that's available for anybody going to to Galway and for the last four years, not this year unfortunately, but for the last four years I've been a season ticket holder in Galway. Now I live in Drogheda, which means I have a logistical nightmare in travelling from Drogheda to Galway and back and having to stay overnight when I go down there for every home game. But there just does not seem to be any willingness to, to, to be involved with the fans that are willing to go to the away games. Um, I, for one, I have, I have not missed an away uh, European game since we went into the, the Heineken Cup, what's that now, four or five years ago. The three other provinces um, traditionally will have all the information on away trips published on their own sites immediately, the week after all the, the, the dates actually come out. Um, I have tried to contact the branch on a number of occasions and the only answer I've got is we don't deal with with away tickets, you're going to have to contact their website. Now, when you're trying to organise people travelling individually to an away game, asking them to go onto a website with no coordination and no idea where people are sitting is very difficult. But I would like to see 
the, the branch and it's the, uh, the administrative side of the branch just engaging with the fans that do want to travel and support the team when they're going away. Whether that, like this year, has been Glasgow or Swansea or today, tomorrow's game here in Russia or even the, the game in Breve in January. Right, Russia, Lindy, put the final hat on that. What a trip. And you know the bit we didn't get to talk about in our podcast last week was, was the journey home. Oh, Alan has a good bit on it as well. We'll start with, we'll maybe no, start with you. No, Alan, we have to start with you now because no, the listeners yeah, like, what's right, that right. The reason Dara didn't actually make it on the field tonight he he? because he had frostbite. He did not. He did. Is that true? Absolutely. Holy smoke. What? Dara Leader had a bit of frostbite. Well, actually, if you look at the, the Connacht rugby TV that's up on YouTube, you can see a very good um, a very good piece done in, in, in the dressing room at half-time. Yes. And it focuses uh, particularly on Nihi, who was holding a drink in his hand. And his hand is just so shaking so much, he cannot control the cold that is there. And I think that's a very good example of, of how cold it was, given the fact that we were watching outside. We couldn't use our computers. No one could use computers because their head frozen up. And in fact, even the ink in your pen froze and you had to continually rub your pen to get the ink working. Not to mention if you wear glasses, it's even worse because they're completely fogged up most of the time. So you spend most of your time actually wiping your glasses and your binoculars. <laughs> so I'm delighted to be back in the sports ground. Oh, that cold November night. Yeah, some fresh. journey... Uh, fresh. Right. Did I say cold? Yes. God, I'm just banned from the podcast I work. <laughs> William, well worth doing that trip. You did it. I think I think I can say for both of you now, Lindy's writing in the Irish Times and Examiner, outstanding. William on Goy Bay FM. Lindy has a bit of experience of doing that journalism stuff in tough environments. William, good work, sir. Thank you. That's the last thing I'll, tell you, I'll give you clear and direct praise on the podcast. So lap it up. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a great trip. I'm glad the I'm glad I went. I'm glad the game went ahead. It shouldn't have been played. It was pretty much bonkers. But I think once they got there, I, I have a suspicion there must have been a meeting at some stage, probably on the Friday morning. Somebody from EPCR must have um, really had doubts because it was just getting colder and colder and there was no way it was going to warm up. But fair play to both sides. They played. They put on a reasonable spectacle, particularly in the second half. Connacht took it on, they didn't whinge, they didn't whine, and I think it was set up for the players almost as a sort of an adventure, something different, and they were asked to embrace it, and they did. And because of that, they, they didn't hide in the hotel, they went out, they had a look around the city, but I was struck by the fact that there was nothing negative. I'm sure maybe in private they must have sat around and said, what the hell is this all about? But the persona was straight face all the time. So that's why, Lindy, I'm sure you want to echo those comments and you have uh, off air about how brilliantly Pat Lamb and the squad dealt with this. But I just want to talk about the fact that that's a great point. You all are so proud of the Connacht lads over there and you all enjoyed the trip. But it, it, it's ridiculous that the fixture was played for here and it should have been predictable. I mean, we want to see Russian rugby grow. We understand why they put it there. But November... Well, I think the problem was, was that because of the World Cup, there wasn't another spare week. And if they you didn't have to play one there then. I know, but I think, as Pat Lamb had said, and he acknowledged, that it was very important for them to play a match in their home ground. Of course. And, and unfortunately, because of the World Cup, there wasn't another date. But it wasn't no, feasible, Lily. It literally wasn't but, feasible. But at the end of the day, it was. Because it, wasn't. it was. Well, at the end of the day, it was because it was played. Yeah, but it was played in a ridiculous environment. It's not a, it, like you can, play, you can play rugby on ice and get it over with. You know, like, and not to mention the fact the journey home 
whether that was logistically organised very well, maybe I'll bring William on that in a second, but you first. The, the trip home? Well, like as in, well, maybe I'll go with William first and you can see where we're coming from, because William, you felt chartering a flight was always risky going to a place like that in terms of how, how aware were they of the challenges that they were facing? Yeah, the problem, problem with a charter is everything's fine as long as the, uh, the plane doesn't go sick. But when the plane goes sick at the far end of the charter, you're in bother. Look, it can happen to anybody. Aer Lingus had a problem with a flight coming back from Miami, and that's in 30 degrees. But that was maybe predictable, having the plane sitting on the ground from Wednesday morning to Saturday evening uh, in minus 27, because it's even colder out at the airport than in the city centre. I think they were caught. There's a possibility that that game, in a, maybe a slightly more normal autumn as they call it because they don't call it winter it could have been minus four or minus five they really got caught the weekend before it had been minus eight at kickoff time but we knew on the Thursday when we went to that training session that this was becoming you thought okay there's minus eights out the window it's it's minus double figures at this stage and dropping and I think that did catch them. And Alexander, the, I think is his name, the Russian coach, when I interviewed him, said something like that, that they didn't expect it to be quite as bad. I actually agree. I think it had to be played there. I think once they were invited, once they upset the apple cart by qualifying, because they weren't supposed to win, the Romanian team was supposed to win, and then everything would have been simple. But they upset it. They targeted it. So... Look, it's done and dusted, and there were no serious injuries. If you compare that to tonight, we've played at home and we've had four bad injuries. It would have been a lot worse if there'd been four bad injuries last week, simply for the logistics of getting injured players back. But that's rugby. You can you can have a game where everybody walks off, or a game where people limp off. Okay, I think I, I think you also have to look at the other side of things, and that is that this was a major trip into the unknown by the squad, and. Too often we come down to the sports ground ourselves as journalists. We just do interviews with Pat Lamb or interviews with a player. We don't really see the, the squad in action. And certainly I think as an experience for them and as a learning experience for them and as a trip where they actually have to, they're outside their comfort zone, I think it's actually, it was quite um, an interesting exercise for them and I think they'll all learn from it and the fact that they remained I mean, and they do take it from Pat Lamb because he's an extremely positive person and he is an extremely good director of operations and we don't actually get to see that in our day to day you know, environment over here but over there in that, in that environment you get to see Pat Lamb at his very best and he is, is cool and is composed and is brilliant at directing operations and all the players seem to respond to it very positively that's a good way to finish the Russia chat. Yeah, just, just, just on that, just, just to finish up, we just noticed we were talking about the four players that got injured tonight. None of them were in Russia. No. No. There's like, no question that this... That was, that was a worry it, that we'd go to no, Russia and come back and be... And there's, you know, there's, there's no question. It went to some sort of depths in terms of temperatures and challenges and it's turned out brilliant for Connacht. It's actually turned out better than if they had to go to Sochi because they've got so much out of it. Mm. But, um, and I think I've just represented a feeling out there that a lot of people think it's just a bit of a shambles and, and how it was paid for might have motivated why it was there. And we, but at the same time, I think Lindley and William have represented the other side of it very well there, so I hope we've covered all angles. Let's move on because, you know, this is the top of the table clash, you know, down Limerick. Lindley's gone. Thanks to Lindley for joining us this week, as always. Gracious with her time. William, uh, Munster, Connacht, we never play well there. I forgot to do the stats on how many games. We must be over 40 games away from home against Irish provinces in 2002 when Mark McHugh bounced that ball off the ground cleanly, perfectly, without any sort of hint of not doing so. And Connacht kicked a drop goal to beat Leinster. It's been frustrating ever since. Away from home against Irish provinces. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an elephant in the room that just won't go away. There's nobody in this team has ever won an away interprovincial. Um, some of them have probably barely played in a game that we've got within maybe six or eight points. It's a huge challenge for us because we play six interprovincial games a year and we either win one out of the six or two if we have a good go at home. And that means you're then trying to win 12 out of about 16 games of the rest of the season. And next Saturday will be the same familiar challenge at Thoman Park, a place, as you say, we, I've, been, I've been there, I don't know, 10 times. I've never seen us play really well there. I've seen us play small bits of games well. Mm. I've also seen us have complete 80-minute meltdowns from the first kickoff to when they troop off. I don't know what's going to happen next week, really. Munster are coming in with a complete week's rest because their European game was called off. Um, I'd like to think we will go down and put in a good performance, but you, can't, you just can't call it. It's, it's impossible. Yeah, yeah. Like I know we haven't won at an adult level, but there's an awful lot of our guys who've won Grand Slams and won under-20s and under-21s and who, who are used to playing Against down Munster yeah. and the other provinces and winning away from home as well as at home. Um, and it's a self-belief. The self-belief that we, the way we finished that game tonight, was just incredible. Like that was a grizzled, you know, team that we were playing against, and we held up with a whole lot of kids on the field. And it really was a whole bunch of kids by the time we'd finished and fellas playing out of position. So there's a self-belief about us now, and even the fact that you know we went five 0 down and came straight back and scored a, a try and a penalty straight off it. Mm. And you know, there's a self-belief about the team. There's a skill level about the team that we just never had before. Yeah, Rory Prada gets a ball near the touchline that wasn't kicked into touch uh, directly, and and he takes on the winger. And you're like, oh, Rory, why are you taking him on there? You're gonna, oh, you're gonna step out of the challenge. That's good. Oh, now you're gonna turn on the afterburners, and now you're gonna pop it off to Robbie Henshaw, and yeah. you're supposed to be our young, inexperienced winger. That's the difference, William. That's why we have a bit of hope. Too much hope? <laughs> yeah, maybe because. Um, it, w- it won't be won by the backs. It'll be a forward okay. battle. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously we've lost Fox Matamua and, it's, and we've lost maybe McKeown and all of a sudden it's George Naupu versus CJ Stander perhaps or something. Yeah, and that's what they do. They, they have such a confident attitude there. They just don't expect to lose. They certainly don't expect to lose to us uh, in any shape or form. Their fans... Um, you Lovely know, fans. Um, yeah, um, slightly one-eyed uh, fans but that's that's the challenge that's there and that's what Pat Lamb and the rest of the management team and the players he selects have got to take on I, I, I understand where Alan's coming from but Thoman Park on a Saturday afternoon I don't know decent enough crowd in it's an intimidating place they, they, they just play well there they, they play much better there, I think, than Leinster do at home, or even Ulster. I think you can actually get at Ulster a bit in Ravenhill. We possibly should have beaten them um, last year. But um, I, I just I don't know. I, I, I'll be going, and I'll be going with as much positivity as I can muster. But a huge conic support will go down, Dave. There'll be a massive support down there. Yeah, unfortunately, I won't be there because of a previous commitment to a game here. Um... I'm going to slightly go with Alan because I think we're in a different position. Last year we went down there and we, 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 we had moments that were brilliant. but there were Losing bonus point at the end. Booed off the pitch with the referee as well. Munster fans didn't even take to us getting a losing bonus point well, at the end. We get, did we get a look? No, we didn't, we didn't get a losing bonus point. Two years ago was, was, was the game which drove God, me I can't nuts. believe that was two years ago. Yeah, you're right. That was the game. The game two years ago was the game where Nathan was patted on the head for a scrum penalty and that drove everybody nuts. And like they were booing the referee. Well, 
they didn't do themselves any favours. Last year, we, we conceded some of the worst tries we've ever conceded. They were awful. We were awful. We made. Oh, yeah. How did I forget that? Because we, because, because there is there, there, there is some tra- there, there are some traumas you wipe from your memory, um, but it, the re- this is different in a sense that we have never gone down there seven wins in a row. It's different. This is a different team. It's a different mentality. There's a whole level of there's a whole level of we just had a dog doing a time trial around the track and some of the brave players have come out and are now videoing the dog running down the track going we just played rugby out there and now there's dogs running around oh yeah that's going to be the headlines for back home anyways not to kill your point there but yeah I, I wiped no, 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 it from no, my head but that's, that like <laughs> what we wanted more of two years ago and less of last year but, of course we are going in with seven games no, this is a different kind of side we went down last year we were in the middle of that shocking run we had after the Edinburgh game now we're in we we're in a better place the injuries are definitely a problem but they're no number wise they're no worse than the injuries we've, we always seem to go down there with I think it's much more I think it's, we're in a much better place overall they are certain guys who were arrested. Dennis Buckley didn't start tonight. Um, hopefully, John Muldoon didn't start tonight. The second row will be completely different because Tom McCartney. Uh, Tom McCartney will, show, will hopefully come back in. Ali Muldowney will be there. I don't know. I don't think Quinn will be back. But you're looking at guys who can step up. We arrested Danny Pullman as well. Well, it will be interesting to see how they go. Danny was a slight hamstring tightness. We'll see. Okay. But if they can come back, we're in a better place. Also, at the moment, this belief, it's the belief. Now, it might be misplaced and we might get an awful, it might get an awful comeuppance next week. But Connacht are going to Munster, ahead of Munster, top of the table, seven wins from seven. Now, we could be on a hiding, on the, on the road to a massive hiding, but we shouldn't be. And I would be disappointed if we don't at least give them a game. And I think the minimum I expect to come out of that is a losing bonus point. Absolute minimum. All right, time for any other business. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go. Um, just a little point. First of all, very. I think we're now in a position where we can safely say that this is seen as a lesser competition in terms of officialdom as well. There's no logical reason. If this is a European competition, your highest level of rugby, and even... Even, there's no difference between how the games are officiated and what's available to referees between the UEFA, UEFA Cup, sorry, the Europa League and the Champions League. Why, therefore, and I've said this again, in the European Challenge Cup, have we played, have we played officially the last two games with no TMO? And that was a massive issue tonight. It's raised in the interview with Pat Lamb about two tries that were probably tries, but they couldn't be given because the ref couldn't be sure and there's no TMO to go there. Either every game has a TMO or no game has a TMO. You can't have some games being decided by the, an official in the box and other games not being decided because because there is no official in the box and that is something that European rugby if you are a, something is a premier tournament you have to deal with that it is inconsistency coming from the top you get, you get fed up with inconsistency from referees inconsistency from officials is even worse alright good rant who has something uh, brought your present Rob it's oh. a big moment in the podcast oh I was wondering who she was <laughs> <laughs> and um, so all the way from Russia you actually did, folks. I have. It's in this a is like the toy show in the late late. It's in a Russian. <laughs> it is effectively Russian, Russian battery. <laughs> they really are. They really are. They've even, they've even got Russian writing. They've got Darth Vader on the front. <laughs> and they come in a Russian bag. Bought, bought during my toy shop experience. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's like any Chris Kringle, like buy one in the petrol station. You've managed it and in a Russian petrol station. Thank you very much. I don't think I'll ever use these. 
just drained them. There you go. Genuinely touched. Anything else? Thanks, William. Well, just, just, um, Glad they said nice things about Jared here. The sad thing about John and Lomu. Just, you know, it was shocking to hear that a man had, had died. He was, like, he, he really brought rugby to the attention of the world. And it was, it was very enjoyable to watch him running over the English players two or three times again this week. But it's just incredible that a man, such a big, huge presence in the, in the world of rugby, is no longer with us. Took you off your seat as a neutral. That's, that's sport at its best when someone you're not necessarily cheering just takes you off your seat. Also, Simon Gagan made some tackle on him in the end, though. He, did, he yeah, got his ankle. Matt Gagan. That's, the rest that, of good That tackles. was the first time you see. Who, who is this low mood lad? They're all starting about first game, first pass. Oh. Bounce, bounce, oh, bounce. Oh, Gagan, oh. Get, Gagan gets back, makes the tackle. Well, hey, we can stop this guy. Unfortunately, we forgot that he could pass the ball as well. He loved it inside <laughs> to Josh Cromfield to fall over the ball. And that was what he did. Even, he for, it took four guys to stop him. I mean, South African. South African basically sent out their, their entire team to just jump on Lomu. And that's the only reason that and their kicking ability. Because everybody, well, they're jumping on Lomu and they stopped him passing, which is why he didn't win a World Cup. But he just was amazing. And, and Lomu never scored against South Africa. Do you know what we have to Because Lenny had to go, but we must, uh, next time she's here, we must get her to just talk about what it was like to watch him when she was growing up. Yeah, and what it meant to her when he burst onto the World Cup scene. She would have been over here in Ireland at that time, but I'm sure it still was a, an immense amount of pride. It's 20, it's 20 years since that World Cup, and I think what people probably fail to realise is the first two World Cups have been pretty mundane mm. events. Mm. They hadn't had a lot of... Uh, they hadn't had a lot of support from the rugby unions up here who fought very hard against them. Then it went to South Africa. It was the start of the new South Africa. Nelson Mandela out of jail, change of government. But one man just strode over that, and that was Lomo. He was the first superstar of the professional era. And rugby is divided into two eras. Uh, they've merged a bit now. People forget that. But he was a world superstar. It wasn't just a rugby and that's where he bridged that gap, and he was the first to do it. A uh, very humble guy, realised, I think, in the last number of years that his lifespan would be curtailed. He, he spoke very openly about he wanted to get to 55 so his kids would be 21 because of the, the, the kidney issue that he had, and sadly he only got to 40. So maybe there's a, a lesson there for everybody is live every day as, as if it's your last, because one day it might be. And... Um, he certainly managed to live every day as if it was his last uh, by the looks of things as well and by the tributes. Right? Yeah, he did. And, but he was a seriously good rugby player as well. The, the, it, it, you know, there was a lot of hype there, but if you look at what he did, he just he revolutionised wing play, but he also he changed, I think, uh, even New Zealand's mindset. He brought a sort of a certain uh, drive to New Zealand rugby that he took it away from their forwards and he became this superstar back and we rug, rugby and modern rugby players the guys who are playing now owe him a huge debt alright people get down to Tom Park next week this team deserves your support absolutely you don't want to miss Connacht winning for the first time since 1986 in Munster if they do it and if they don't sure what odds and, when, and, when they do, and think about it, lads if you're down there and when we do win you're going to have to walk past the Munster fans and that's going to be nice that's fun. <laughs> and there's no way any of the uh, Munster fans are still listening at this stage shall we say <laughs>